It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine, the other one of your hosts. You can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Rapine. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today, Von Bell spoke to the Bengals media as the press parade continues. We have gone from Duke Tobin to Zach Taylor to Lou Anarumo, now to newcomer Von Bell. We're expecting to see some more players available in the coming days as the Bengals continue their conditioning program leading into practices, which Lou Anarumo says start on August 12th. We'll see what Von Bell had to say about back when he was teammates with Joe Burrow at Ohio State before he came into the league. On top of that, we have a finalized list of opt-outs across the league, and the Bengals finally release a video of Joe Burrow throwing footballs to his new teammates. You will definitely want to go check that out. You can go find it at James's Sports Illustrated post on allbengals.com, in fact. We've also got Rob Weintraub joining us from Football Outsiders to talk about how the analytics website views the Bengals this year. And there are a lot of unknowns with a lot of moving parts for the Cincinnati Bengals football team. And you'll hear him say something that I've said quite a bit on this podcast, which is range of outcomes. But let's get started by talking Von Bell and the finalized opt-out list. The Bengals will have their full 79-man roster available to them for the training camp period as they've had no additional opt-outs as the deadline for those decisions comes and goes on Thursday with no new Bengals on the list. Some Bengals fans had some fear that Geno Atkins might choose to opt out for the season, given that he carries a sickle cell trait and has a new child on the way. But Geno will be around, and so will the rest of the Bengals, which means outside of Josh Tupo and Isaiah Prince, there's a full complement of players available to the Bengals in Joe Burrow's rookie year. It's huge. Huge news, Jake, because the last thing this team needed was to have a, a significant player or two significant players opt out. And I'm not downplaying Isaiah Prince or Josh Tupo. Uh, obviously, the Bengals are going to have to add a, a defensive tackle, a nose tackle at some point to make up uh, for Josh opting out. But all in all, you'll take that. Because, you know, from A.J. Green to Auden Tate, uh, D.J. Reader, Geno Atkins, whoever you want to talk about, Jonah Williams, they're all playing. 
And and that's what you need when you're talking about building a foundation, building a culture. That's uh, th- that's something you need. And, and I, I do think and, and Von Bell, I'm not saying he downplayed it on Thursday when he was asked about, you know, did he consider opting out? But you could tell he was playing and he was all in and it probably didn't take him long to decide that. And that's the thing. You bring in some young, hungry players, right? Seven draft picks, eight unrestricted free agents. These guys want to play and they want to show that they're either worth the money that you gave them or that they deserve a huge deal. And so I think uh, I think the Bengals are in a good spot and that's probably why they only had those two opt outs. And Von Bell, as you mentioned, t- did talk to the media today and and. For him, opting out wasn't really a question, but you saw notable players across the league. Tredavious White in Buffalo comes down to the wire. He's playing, but he tweeted today, and it sounded like it was a very difficult decision for him. You did see one rookie in Lucas Niang opt out. Uh, A pretty high-profile offensive tackle rookie, a guy that we've looked at as a potential mid-round target for the Bengals. He's opted out due to COVID. But let's shift gears, talk about the rest of what Von Bell said. He was teammates. With Joe Burrow, the Bengals' primary newsworthy piece, the, the primary discussion piece. And he said that Joe's always had that swagger, but he's got more of it now and he likes what he sees. I love it. He called him Joe Swagger. <laughs> and he, and it's first off, I'll, I'll point this out about Von Bell. This dude smiles more than anyone I've ever seen. He could not stop smiling. And, and certainly when he was talking about Joe Burrow, uh, and, and he said he always knew that Joe was going to be good and saw he saw something in Joe. He was teammates with him at Ohio State when Bell, his last year with the Buckeyes, and Burrow's first year coming in as a freshman. And how cool was that? Uh, you know, Von Bell went to, to senior night at LSU because he was with the Saints. No one could have predicted to see Burrow, obviously. No one could have predicted that they would end up being teammates. And turns out that they are teammates again. So it's a, it's a cool story. And uh, just overall takeaways from Bell, I love that he wakes up at 4 a.m. and he wants to work and wants to grind and is that hungry. And I think those are the type of guys and type of attitudes when you're talking about culture building that this team needs. So uh, the the more I hear from Von Bell, the more I like. And uh, I'm certainly glad that the Bengals signed him this offseason. The other interesting bit for me that came out of that was sounds like Sam Hubbard has been busy this offseason doing some recruiting. He was part of the reason, according to Von Bell, in addition to the culture, he cites the culture that Zach Taylor's building. He cites really liking the other guys the Bengals have brought in. He's excited about this defense from Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, DJ Reader. Now you add Von Bell to that mix. Sam Hubbard looks like he's well on his way to a captaincy with the way he's recruiting, the way he's inducting or 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 introducing maybe is the right word joe burrow to cincinnati and the team looks like there's a real leadership role for for probably both of these guys in this locker room absolutely there is and it's it's good to see that i mean they're young guys mon bell's 25 years old (laughs) he's not super old here you know we're talking about leadership and it, it matters like the 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 fact that he's gonna have that type of attitude and attack it every day sam hubbard same thing it really, one, it gives Joe Burrow even more equity in the locker room because these two guys can vouch for him, right? Bell's respected by his teammates instantly. Sam Hubbard, obviously, respected by his Bengals teammates. And uh, so it, it's good to see. And honestly, there was a long stretch there where the Bengals didn't draft many Ohio State players. It's good to see them going after uh, the, the school just two hours away that uh, produces so many great, great football players. At the very least, they're going after those high-character guys out of Ohio State. They're, they're getting some real leadership 
from the school up there. And I know there's a, cro- a lot of cross-pollination with Bengals fans too between Ohio State and the Bengals. So that's got to be exciting for a large portion of fans. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com, James Rapine's favorite place to buy air filters and oil for his vehicle and mine too. And the reason is it's easy, it's convenient, the prices are unbeatable, and they have it if you need it, regardless of what you drive. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Over 300 different car makers. So it doesn't matter if you have a BMW or a Honda or something that they don't make anymore, right? Let's say you drive a Saturn. They're going to have what you're looking for at rockauto.com. You can search for it right from the comfort of your own home. No reason to mask up and go to the big box store when you can do everything at home and save money doing it. And the best part about rockauto.com, there is no markup because you're an individual. You get the same deals that mechanics get. Everyone gets the same. They're treated the same at rockauto.com. And if you go there now, you see all the parts available for your car or truck, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Coming up next, we're joined by Rob Weintraub from Football Outsiders to talk about how the analytics website sees the Bengals competing in 2020. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. We are now joined by Rob Weintraub, who has done a lot of writing all over the internet, but currently you probably know his work from Football Outsiders. He is a New York Times bestselling author. He just published a book, The Divine Miss Marvel. And if you're interested in historical sports nonfiction, Rob is your guy. Or if you're interested in the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're here to talk to you, Rob, about the Bengals. And man, reading your commentary in those emails... I really like reading that one on Football Outsiders. You you just are a, I feel like you're just the quintessential Bengals fan in your approach to watching Bengals games on Sundays. <laughs> well, first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm not sure how to take that. Does that mean I'm scarred, bitter, broken uh, as an individual? In that <laughs> all case, the above. Uh, uh, yes, I plead guilty to that. No question. <laughs> uh, it's the, the lot in life for us Bengals fans. But yes, thank you. I uh, It is one fun thing that we do, Football Outsiders, known, of course, for its analytics and its quote-unquote mathematical approach to the sport. But really, we're just a bunch of snarky and embittered fans. And on Sundays, yeah, we trade emails and texts and stuff back and forth, which is then gathered and uh, printed on Mondays. And uh, yeah, I tend to be, uh, with good reason, I should say, uh, extremely negative and extremely uh, upset and frustrated. I, I would also say that's 
generally speaking, uh, much more sedate and much less bothered by the Bengals than they used to be as a uh, as a younger, more explosive type. You know, I've lost a little bit of my uh, <laughs> my anger and speed as the uh, years have advanced there, as you would say. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough being a Bengal fan, as you guys well know. How pain? How painful was last season for you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it's funny you say that because, yeah, obviously it was awful, but the knowledge that, A, we were headed for the top pick and at long last sort of the uh, Andy Dalton ejector seat and maybe complete reboot that we were headed for, and also watching Joe Burrow play and knowing from just about, what, Thanksgiving, maybe even a little earlier, that uh, we were going to intersect with him sometime in April – you know, kind of was almost in a perverse way kind of pleasant. You know, it's like with most fans, I was begging them to lose that Miami game, Miami game at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, whenever I watch Joe Burrow play my my Burrow boner, can I say that on the uh, on the podcast? It was sure. uh, it was enormous. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> knowing that he was going to be one of us very soon kind of made it all worthwhile. Obviously, every Sunday from one to four was you know, excruciating. But if you looked at the big picture, it wasn't quite as terrible as it as could have been. And with that in mind, Joe Burrow comes in, is seen by most Bengals fans as the the savior, the franchise savior. He's been asked about it. What, is it, what does it feel like to be seen as a franchise savior? And, and to his credit, he says he tries not to pay attention. But Football Outsiders every year produces the Football Outsiders Almanac, which is a bit of a predictive work, right? And so what can you tell us about the Football Outsiders Almanac? And as it pertains to the Bengals, how does that work when you have, you know, six, seven, eight new starters come in from one year to the next in terms of projecting the season for a team like the Bengals this year? Yeah. Well, it's tough. I'll start at the beginning. Basically, Football Outsiders, you know, our main claim to fame fame is that we, you know, we're an analytics uh, unit and we – you know, kind of break down every play that's run and put it in context and then put that into what we have an efficiency stack called DVOA, which is very complicated and I won't bore you with all the math. And then we use that to play out the predictive part. We play out the season literally one million times. Uh, I should say that as Dr. Evil, right? One million times uh, before the season by a computer. And that kind of gives us the predictive um you know, figures and, and how the team and, and individual players will do. Um, to get to your point about how difficult that is with new players, you know, it is and it isn't. It's it's hard when it's a quarterback mainly, uh, and especially a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, we have a lot of predictive stuff about Joe coming in. Um, our model that we use for uh, quarterbacks for rookies is called Cubase, which, you know, tries to put into perspective – you know, what, what historical uh, statistics and patterns have been successful, have translated su- successfully into the NFL. And Burrow has been, it was excellent at that. You know, it dinged him a little bit because he was not a three or a four year starter, but in terms of one or two year starters, he's the second highest we ever modeled uh, after Alex Smith, uh, higher than, higher than Cam Newton, higher than Kyler Murray, higher than Tua. So in that sense, you know, the, the, Football outsider system likes him a lot, and that you know he has obviously all the all the stats that you guys are certainly well aware of, and all the fans probably are too. Even advanced stats, you know, adjusted yards per attempt and things like that, off the charts. You know, historically high for Joe. So, in that sense, it's great um, putting him 
into a, you know, our system, which would then predict how he's going to do in the NFL and how that'll work in terms of Bengals win loss record is a little bit different. You know, we have to, you know, we have the 1 million seasons and then we change it a little bit based on various, you know, uh, uh, what parts of the salad, I guess you'd say, and then it all goes into a big blender and, uh, at the end, it spits out a numbers, and the numbers say, you know, the Bengals are probably going to be mediocre this year. Between five and seven wins is the majority of what the seasons uh, played out of those one million, which I think most fans would take. I think the average was seven wins. You know, that's a five-win improvement. Uh, that would be a pretty good start for any rookie to come in and lead your time. They have nowhere to go but up, obviously, but still, that's a pretty good year. The Bengals do go seven and nine this year. And they're on the you know the fringe of playoff contention. The games mean something in December, even if it's just to take out you know the Ravens or the Steelers or the Browns. That would be nice too. So um, you know in that sense, it's a very tricky in terms of ten starters because the league is so you know so dynamic as it is, and you often see a lot of teams change over players in positions big and small and, and important or not important. You know it it doesn't affect it too much. The, the prediction system is really based on a three-year average. Um, so, you know, if you just think about the Bengals three years ago compared to what they are this year, it's a completely different story. And I think you see that in a lot of NFL cities. So it's not too difficult in terms of overall prediction when the, a lot of the lineup changes, but certainly a quarterback, it'll be different. And, you know, the Bengals have a wide range of possibilities this year, mainly because Burrow is a rookie and because he's so highly touted. So it'll be fascinating to watch. And I guess we just have to, you know, sort of preemptively say of all this, that's assuming we do have a season and it plays out normally, as normally as it can with COVID in the air and no fans in the stands. And wouldn't it just be like the Bengals that finally get a, a franchise quarterback and not even have a season? That would just be even worse than 2-14. and 14. I think that might be, Rob, do you think this would be the, the really the worst outcome? If you draft, drafted a guy like Burrow, who's 23 years old, started for a couple of years in college but certainly needs experience if there isn't a season i know some fans are out there saying oh well they could get the top pick again and you could get a tackle or you could trade it or in they're thinking ahead that way and i'm like well if you want bro to be successful you got to get him out there you need him to play every snap he can get and get that experience this season yeah no doubt i mean if there's not going to be a season and we get the number one pick again you might as well just take trevor lawrence at that point i mean it's uh, it's already bad because he hasn't had an off season, and I mean, I think literally today we're taping this on on Thursday and uh, the second week of August, right? So it's uh, I think this is the first time I've actually seen him throw a pass to AJ Green. You know, this is the first time they've been on the field together running around, and we're supposedly a month away from the season. So he's already behind the eight ball, as you say. The one legitimate knock on Burrow, really. You know, you can forget about hand size and all that stuff, but the thing is his age. You know, the clock's working against him. Quarterbacks play better older now than they used to, so that's obviously good. But, yeah, it's it's going to be tough, and if they don't play the season at all, it's just that's even worse, obviously. And it, but it'll be bad for everybody. So I guess in that sense, the Bengals won't be in the uh, in the boat alone. But, uh, yeah, I guess all we have to do right now is cross our fingers and hope they'll they'll jam the season in. And knowing the NFL, I'm sure that's what they're looking to do. We will cross our fingers, and I agree. The NFL seems to be pushing full steam ahead. Coming up next, Rob, let's get into some of those specific insights from the DVOA perspective, from the football outsider's perspective. What does football outsiders see as kind of team weaknesses, as team strengths, 
We'll get into all that in segment three coming up next. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Wrapping up this week with a special guest from Football Outsiders, Rob Weintraub. Rob, the Football Outsiders Almanac is out. It's available on the Football Outsiders website. What does Football Outsiders see as the biggest strengths and weaknesses for this team? Is it like everyone else where the offensive line looks like a liability and the skill players look good? Or are there some things that Football Outsiders sees differently from the rest of the world? Well, I mean, just based on how the last year played out, even the skill players didn't necessarily look all that great uh, for most of them, especially in the uh, receiving game. Now, a lot of that obviously had to do with A.J. Green not playing. Uh, Tyler Boyd had, and we split by DVOA, you know, every down and distance results. And uh, pretty much the only receiver in positive good DVOA ranking was Tyler Boyd on third and fourth downs. Now, you know, that, that's pretty impressive in and of itself, given the fact that everybody knew that the only place the Bengals were throwing the ball last year on third down was to Boyd. Mm-hmm. And he still, you know, made hay out of it. So uh, I expect him with some actual speed on the perimeter with him for once uh, to really play well. And Burrow obviously was an exceptional passer to his slot receivers in college. So that was something that uh, we're looking forward to. Everybody's talking about, you know, how he'll get along with AJ and maybe he'll boost. John Ross, finally, if he can stay in the lineup. But really, it's uh, I think Boyd is going to be a huge benefactor as well. In terms of the offensive line, I mean, you know, they were awful in a lot of places last year. You know, we, we charted a lot of um, blown blocks. And uh, really, the leader of the blown block category was, unfortunately, Trey Hopkins, the guy who we just extended to play center. I think I wrote in the, uh, in the Football Outsiders Almanac that 
you know, by Bengal standards, he's Jim Otto. But, you know, if this is your mainstay on the offensive line, you got problems. Uh, we all expect Jonah Williams to come in there and at least lock down the left tackle spot, which was a disaster last year. And if you have, you know, a terrible left tackle or left tackles in this case, no, uh, certainly at the position, you got no really no chance. So, you know, if Jonah Williams can get in there, be the guy we expect him to be as a first round pick and play all 16 games, uh, then you're looking at something, you know, far different than what our projection might uh, account for. Another place where we were talking earlier, it's hard to project that kind of thing with a guy who's never played in the NFL before. So you have a rookie, a quarterback and left tackle, you know, arguably the two most important positions on offense. You know, what we think is going to happen is that they'll both be pretty good as most highly drafted rookie left tackles and quarterbacks are, but they could be exceptional or they could just not play at all like Jonah did last year. And that'll skew the, uh, the projection. So it's, you know, it's kind of difficult to say. The one thing we do know is that they didn't improve that line too much outside of, outside of Jonah Williams coming in at left tackle. So hopefully, you know, we'll see Fred Johnson take that next step. He played two games particularly well at the end of the season last year, but does that mean he's really a starter, a full-time starter? Uh, You know, is is Hopkins going to improve now that he got paid and, you know, really lock down the line. Are the guards going to give us anything? Is Billy Price even alive? I mean, these are the kind of questions that, you know, the the numbers can only tell you so much. Um, you know, I, I'm supposed to be the analytical guy coming out here to give you all kinds of, this is what the numbers say and it's going to happen, darn it. But uh, the truth is we really don't know. It's just just from what our eyes tell us. And, of course, I should hasten to say that while we are an analytics organization, a large part of what we do is watching film and, and watching the games closely. It's not just purely the numbers, not just a bunch of guys with slide rules, you know, figuring out tangents and cosines and things like that. It's a lot of film study. And I mean, you guys watch, I watch, we all know that there's a lot of question marks on that line to be generous. So, you know, where that, where that goes from here is difficult to say, but obviously they have a lot more weaponry than the average two and 14 team does. Burrow has that going for them. They have more weaponry than the Patriots did last year, for example. So in, in that sense, they, you know, they're a more interesting team than you would otherwise expect after such a shoddy season last year. The question is, yeah, will that offensive line hold up? And uh, all I can really offer you right now is maybe. Rob, how does Football Outsiders look at this revamped defense? You know, the Bengals added a DJ Reader up front. They added to all three levels, Von Bell at safety. The linebacker room looks completely different. A lot of rookies there, too. Yeah. How can you or how do you project what that the linebackers are going to do? given that there, there's only uh, one or two guys that are returning from last year and then a veteran in Josh Bynes and a bunch of rookies. Yeah, I would say that it's not so much what we project the linebackers to do in specific, but as the defense overall, there should be, uh, you know, we have them as projected to be a slight improvement. And they showed that really at the end of last year. They were, I think, 30th overall, but, you know, and we sort of do it as a, as a sliding scale or as the most recent games matter more. Uh, and when you look at it that way, by the end of the season, they were up into the, the low 20s. So they had been started to play better. Uh, you know, they figured out Lou Anarumo's defense a little bit at last. There was definitely some growing pains there. Uh, a lot of guys played hurt. You know, we certainly heard about William Jackson playing the season with a torn labrum. That was news. Uh, you know, Sean Williams played hurt. A lot of guys were out of position a lot. A lot of guys were just poor tackles. Tackling uh, was horrible. Uh, the three top we chart missed tackles all season long. And the three top guys in the league were all Bengals. That's a problem right there. 
uh, and only one of them, Nick Vigil, is now gone. So uh, in that sense, I think you'll we expect them to be sort of in the same boat in that more like the end of last year rather than the year as a whole. So we figured they'll be in you know, sort of the low 20s out of the 32 teams. Now, you know, again, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of guys who, you know, it's different. It's one thing when you talk about the rookies at linebacker, you know, DVOA and I think football fans in general probably don't expect too much out of rookies to really make a huge difference. Even top drafted linebackers don't really make a huge impact on the team defense from year to year. But in overall, you know, sort of talent infusion and getting, you know, in this case, what, six new starters and all, all but a couple of probably veterans who know what they're doing out there, you know, that, that can definitely affect the defense. And just defense is usually a little bit less predictable from year to year as opposed to offense. Offense usually stays more, you know, more consistent. If you have a good offense, it's going to be good. You know, that makes sense. If you have a good quarterback, you generally have a good offense from year to year, barring injury. Defense is much more dynamic, so they have room to improve greatly. I mean, it's, you know, if we're talking sometime, you know, next fall, uh, sometime in November about how the team is, you know, had an excellent defense this year and they're, you know, playing top 10, top 15 level level play, it shouldn't be that surprising. I mean, that's the that's the optimistic viewpoint. Um, and I think we can we can go there because, you know, these are veterans. We talk a lot about, you know, this is just a, among us. Uh, the other writers with football outsiders about how, you know, it's really changed in the last few years with the practice times being shut, you know, taken away from these players and how, especially this year, obviously without any OTAs or any real uh, ability to get together in the off season and no preseason, of course, you know, having veterans who know what they're doing out there is going to be a key factor. And well, it might take a little while for them to gel with all the new starters, you know, and Von Bell is, is, yeah, he knows what he's doing out there, right? DJ Reader, they know it. These guys know how to play. And that, uh, I think, is going to go a long way to helping the team. And obviously, they built the team a little bit to you know, counteract the effects of Lamar Jackson, a little bit less, but certainly Nick Chubb as well. So you're going to see a team based around a little bit more stopping other teams' running attacks and stopping their uh, not missing nearly as many tackles. And if they can just do that, the improvement should be uh, should be noticeable. It really does seem like the moves the Bengals made this offseason were directly, as you say, targeted at improving tackling, improving run defense on the defensive side of the ball. Last question, Rob, outside of the quarterback, maybe maybe Jonah Williams too. You talked a little bit about him earlier. Which newcomer appears to be the most important to the Bengals having success in the 2020 season? You talk about a range of outcomes. What gets them closer to that seven? What has to go right? Well, if they, I mean, there's so many things need to go right, of course, uh, and we'll leave out Burrow. So just in terms of new players or, or players, and we won't count AJ either, obviously. I mean, he's technically a guy who can, you know, make up five wins on his own if he's back at the top of his game. Um, just in terms of newcomers, I would point to Trey Waynes. I think we know that, you know, he is under pressure now because of the money that he got uh, and what he's going to be asked to do. His stats, certainly from what we charted, uh, wouldn't necessarily (laughs) make him that much of an improvement, really, even over Dre Kirkpatrick. He is a much better run defender, which is why they wanted him. And he plays, you know, with a much more of an edge. Uh, I think he saw Dre Kirkpatrick make a lot of of business decisions out there last Mm -hmm. year. He was a guy who didn't want to stick his nose in and, uh, you know, didn't get to play in a lot of games either. A a little bit tougher all on the line and a little bit more hard-nosed guys. 
And I think Wayne's is going to be certainly a target, though, in the passing games of other teams. And the question is, where does he slot in in their sort of defensive back rankings? Is he asked to be the number one guy because of that contract? Or is William Jackson a guy who is, you know, still a, a holdover, not a newcomer, but really is equally under fire to kind of justify his place in the league right now, mm-hmm. you know, earn an extension and, and live up to that number one pick and, and really what he showed early in his career that he could be. Yep. If he can, you know, become the lockdown corner and Waynes is your number two, that looks like an entirely different unit. And they got a whole bunch of guys who can go out and rotate and play, you know, third and fourth defensive back as well. So I would put Waynes and sort of with the caveat of, where does he slot alongside Jackson is really the keys because if they can, you know, if they can establish what they had back in the day with the likes of Leon Hall and Jonathan Joseph as a tandem, you know, that, that team did extremely well defensively. And if they can, if they can have two, two cornerbacks who aren't sieves out there on the perimeter, then, you know, they, they, this, I won't say the sky's the limit for the defense, but they can be night and day from last year. That's Rob Weintraub. He writes for footballoutsiders.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Rob Wine. Rob, it's been a pleasure. Really hope that we have some more positive things to write about and read about this year for the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys again at around Halloween when we're 8-0, flying high. <laughs> there you go. Joe Burrow is a newly elected mayor of Cincinnati. That's what we're looking for. That's the kind of unbridled optimism we don't usually <laughs> get in Cincinnati. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's what Joe Burrow's really done for all of us. He's uh, At least for this one offseason, painful as it's been in, in the country at large, as Bengal fans, we have this this brief moment to look forward to with nothing but pure unadulterated optimism. I hope it stays for at least a couple of weeks. That was Robert Weintraub from Football Outsiders. You can follow him on Twitter at Rob Wine. That's going to do it for us this week on the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back next week with Brian Callahan speaking to the media. Jonah Williams expected to talk to the media at some point as well. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020 and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.